who gives this woman to be married to this man? Her mother and I do. You may be seated. You guys look great. <laughs> well, welcome everyone. Uh, we are so thankful that you are here joining us today. And uh, I always say on people's wedding days, just take a look and turn around real quick because you're going to be facing me for the next 15 minutes or so and wave to your friends and family who are supporting you here as well as those yeah, up there who are viewing with us from all around the country and I hear even the world on our live stream. So whether you are here supporting Neil and Elizabeth today in person or over our live stream, we are just thankful for your support and your grace towards them. We're here on your big day, and I thought it'd be good to start off just with a reminder of what we are doing here. So the first thing we are doing is we are worshiping together. There's going to be a few chances, as you know, and we've planned this ceremony together to worship God through song, but really this whole next 30 or 40 minutes is a ceremony of worship. We're worshiping the God who gave us the uh, covenant of marriage and who set his heart in love on you two and on his church as his bride in marriage as well. So we are worshiping together for this next half hour or so. The second thing we're doing is we are witnessing a covenant. So we've talked in our premarital counseling, right, about how a covenant is what happens and is what you make when you fall in love with someone and then give yourself away to them through making promises. It's our very nature to make promises to those who we love. So this is a witnessing of a covenant here. So we're not primarily celebrating the love that you already have. We're going to do that downstairs in about an hour. But we are future-oriented here. We are looking forward to the promises that you will both be making to each other, to love each other through thick and thin. And then finally, we are celebrating as God himself joins you together. So at the end of this ceremony, I'll say the traditional lines, uh, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And it's just a reminder that it's not me joining you together. I'm merely pronouncing what's already true. God will be joining you together. So will you all pray with me as we begin our service? Father, we thank you so much for this chance to uh, worship you, to witness these promises of the covenant being made, and to celebrate at how you will be joining Neil and Elizabeth together in marriage today. Would you bring us into a spirit of joy, of celebration, of worship, and of support as we witness this beautiful ceremony today? We give this into your hands. We pray for your blessing upon it, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, right now, your sister has the chance to read some scriptures from us from the book of Genesis. And so, Neil's sister, Annie, is going to be reading Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25, which talk about God's original design for marriage. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord, had, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the fields. But for Adam, there was not found, found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. 
and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is the bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one of flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Thank you. Well, will you please stand, uh, if you're able, and worship with us now as we sing this first song.
You may be seated. Neil's sister, Julia, will now read from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are neighbor, mem- members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Thank you. So, Neil and Elizabeth, here we are. We are here celebrating on your wedding day, and I'm happy for you guys, and I'm proud of you guys, and I don't know how I'm going to fit everything I want to say into the hour you gave me for this sermon. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad everyone picked up that was a joke. No, in all seriousness, um, those last two verses that Julia read, and thank you, Julia, uh, I know really struck a chord with you two during our premarital counseling, and you actually said, you know, would you speak on those for our wedding? And uh, I've never spoken on these before or for a wedding, but I love them for this context because as we talked about in our counseling, right, these verses describe the kind of relational climate that you guys want to be true of your marriage. They describe the kind of atmosphere that you want to uh, characterize the way that you relate to each other. And so these are verses, as you know, that are addressed to all Christians And they describe the way we relate to one another. But how much more true are they in this closest relationship of marriage? And so my message to you guys just over these next 10 minutes or so is super simple. I'm just going to charge you. I'm going to encourage you. Put these verses into practice. And then I'm going to tell you where you're going to get the power to do this. So I'll read these two verses again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger... And clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. And so, on your wedding day, I charge you, work hard at cultivating the climate of your marriage. Work hard at cultivating the climate of your marriage. So, in these verses, Paul is encouraging you guys to take out the toxins of self-absorbed, touchy bitterness and to pump the oxygenating grace of other-centered, tender kindness into your marriage. And if you do this, I guarantee you, you will flourish. This is how it is meant to be. And so work hard at cultivating that kind of environment. And I can tell you, Um, We're eight years into our marriage. That's uh, longer than you, but shorter than many people here. And so if you don't take it from me, take it from those around you supporting you who have been married much longer. This is really hard work. There's a reason why it's a command to put away these things and to put in these other qualities. Um, As I was studying these verses, I just found it instructive that Paul doesn't say, hey, don't let these things creep into your marriage He kind of just assumes they're going to make their way in there because we're humans. 
But he says actually put them out. It's the word for picking up, like the pick up trash. Um, I think we had remembered the analogy in our premarital counseling of uh, not letting the garbage pick up in your home. And there are some couples, sadly, for whom, uh, you know, they leave a piece of paper on the ground or they leave a, uh, uh, you know, a, a ill-spoken word on the ground. And it seems like a little thing, but over time it accumulates and accumulates and accumulates until you're walking in a foot of it. Now, I'm not worried about that for you guys. I've actually noticed just and appreciated about you two that one of the things you really do is you serve each other and you speak to each other and about one another with gracious words. And so this is more charging you keep doing that even as you're married on this wedding day. So work hard to cultivate that environment. There's going to be times uh, that I'm sure, as you've already experienced, even in your engagement, that you'll experience in your uh, soon-to-be-married life where you're going to have that temptation to be bitter with one another, where one of you is going to feel like someone else is not meeting these unmet, uh, unspoken expectations, where you feel like you're pulling more of your, your weight in the household chores than the other person, where, where one of the two of you is just talking about how hard of a week it's been and how tiring of a week it's been, and the other one wants to sympathize, but you feel like, I've had just as hard of a week. Uh, And you're going to feel that temptation to let that bitterness uh, stew and grow. And at at that time, you have a choice to make. You can go the easy path path of uh, nursing it uh, and sitting in it, or you can take out the trash. You're going to have times where you're tempted to be angry with one another, where there's going to be one small instance, how to spend your off day, uh, where to go on vacation or go out to eat. And for me, uh, it often comes down to how to apply a COVID regulation, as you might know. And that little instance is going to be a portal through which there's a great battle of your wills. And at that point, you can lay down another argument. You can have your anger even amount uh, and increase the clamor, which Paul talks about in this passage. Or you can do the hard work and take out the trash. Put away all these things. And so I charge you, do the hard work. And then Paul also says, just as you do the hard work to take these toxins out, he says, do the hard work to put the oxygen in. He says, uh, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and forgiving one another. So I just let there be this, this, this steady drip of well-chosen, non-cliche compliments in your marriage. If you do that, you will water it very well. And then let those kind words be matched with kind acts towards one another. Uh, You two know what that is for each other, and you're going to learn that even more. The small, uh, unspoken things that you know maybe aren't a big deal to you, but they're ways of serving one another and showing, I'm thinking about you, the taking your shoes off before you come inside, the filling up the Brita filter at night and My wife's sitting in the back thinking, you haven't done that in a long time. But let the kind words be matched with the kind acts. Tenderheartedness, that's talking about being able to see one another's humanity and and frailty uh, and exhaustion and being able to accommodate for it. Being able to say, you know what you did really frustrated me, but you are growing and and you're trying. And I see that and I value that. Tenderheartedness. Forgiveness obviously speaks for itself, but it's the hardest one of all of them. And so do the hard work. I charge you to do the hard work. I'm going to give you a bit of an odd analogy. Uh, A few weeks ago, Steph and I took our kids, I might have told you about this, to the zoo. 
and that was only the second time they've been to the zoo, but we took our kids to the Franklin Park Zoo, if any of you have ever been there in Boston, and we happened to take them on this wicked cold day, and it was a great experience, but the other than the weather. The wind was just whipping across the zoo, uh, the outdoor zoo, and it, it was gray, and at the very end of the day, it started, it wasn't as bad as yesterday, but it started spritzing, and we kind of hurried the kids out, and so it was this ugly day, and I felt so bad for the animals that had to stay out there, and you get the sense that they kind of had gotten used to it, and they didn't even know this wasn't normal for them, um, but they were out there in that, in that cold, uh, but the best part of the day was the tropical tent. <laughs> and so in the middle of this zoo, there was what was apparently labeled the tropical, just all kinds of animals and, uh, and flora and fauna that can only exist in a tropical climate. And so as soon as you w- walk out from the cold and into this tropical tent, you start to notice these changes. Now, the first thing that you notice is just the temperature. I have just come out from the cold into the warm. Can we stay in here for a few hours? You notice this warm temperature change. You start to take your layers off. Uh, The second thing, at least, that I noticed was um, just how well built and well constructed it was. There's brooks and there's high ceilings and there's birds flying around and there's rivers and bridges going over them. How did they make this thing? You notice how well constructed it was. But then most importantly, you notice how life just flourishes inside of this thing. Now, where am I going with this? If you can't see it already, let your marriage be like this tropical tent in the middle of an otherwise cold world. Let the climate, let the atmosphere, let the environment of your relationships to each other be this kind of warm refuge that life flourishes inside. If you can do this, if you work hard at this, it will be worth it. Life, children flourish in an environment like this. Um, Your ministry, your shared ministry together will flourish in this kind of environment. Friendships will flourish in this kind of environment. And most of all, the gospel will flourish in an Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 environment. Neil, just speaking to you for a second as a pastor, reminding you your main role as a pastor is to be a steward of a message. You have this message of the gospel, the gospel that uh, the Bible tells us is what we're actually demonstrating and symbolizing here today, this message of a God who is himself, has himself put away all malice towards us, but put away the very things he tells us to put away, put away all anger, put away all wrath at great cost to himself, and as tenderheartedly set his heart on the bride he loves and loves her, his church, with enduring love. Your charge as a pastor is to keep that message clear and to keep that message compelling. You do it with your teaching, but you also do it with your life. And Elizabeth, today you are joining Neil, and together you all will steward this gospel message by keeping it clear. If you can have this kind of climate, this kind of environment in your marriage, you will make and keep the gospel clear. You will show that this message creates this kind of environment where people can come in from the cold (laughs) and experience this tender love. And so do it because life will flourish in it. The gospel will be made clear. And then finally, just remember where you get the power to do this. Uh, I don't want this to sound like a moralistic message. This is not one more thing to remember to do amidst, amidst all the other ways you will be trying to 
pour into and cultivate your marriage. There's nothing in these verses that God has not first done and first felt towards you. All you're, all you're called to do is replicate something in miniature of the way that God has already loved you, tenderheartedly, uh, kindly, forgivingly. Notice the verses, and forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. I'll close with the very next verse, Ephesians 5.1. Paul says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So I charge you, imitate God in this. Imitate him in creating and working hard for this climate in your marriage. Imitate his love, yes, but do it as beloved children. You are not doing this as servants who are nervously trying to be good enough. You are doing it as beloved children receiving a gift. This love is first received before it's ever demonstrated. And so God is smiling over you. He is approving of this day. He is approving of this marriage. Your marriage is pre-approved by the grace of God. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much that Neil and Elizabeth have this good desire for their marriage, that they want to work hard at the climate of their marriage. They want it to be free of malice, bitterness, these things that are just so human that we forget they're part of a fallen world, and they want it to be full of tender-hearted kindness. I pray a blessing over them in this. Would they be able to put this into practice? But secondly, would you give them the grace to know that this is your persistent, loving posture towards them? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, having shared this with you, uh, will, will you now stand again for our next hymn?
You may be seated again. Well, before we get to these vows, just a very short charge to you two and to your families. You've heard all that I <laughs> is on my heart to share with you. So as you pursue this environment of grace for your marriage, uh, these are complex waters. Uh, leaving your father and mother, uh, cleaving to one another, weaving yourselves, weaving your shared life together. I charge you to put Christ first as you pursue this and to be tender with each other. And then to your family who even just from this past uh, day or so of getting to spend with you, I can already tell uh, loves you so much, your extended family, and is so supportive of you. I just pray that you would encourage this couple, and I charge you to support them as they figure out what it means to leave a father and mother, to become one flesh, and to weave that life together. And so would you offer of your wisdom, would you give them the space to figure this out, and would you point them back to Christ as they do it? I charge you You may go ahead and face each other as we now make these vows to each other. So Neil and Elizabeth have chosen to uh, write some of their own vows to each other, which they're going to share at this time. And Neil, we're going to start with you. My dear Elizabeth, I love you very much, and I'm so excited that this moment has finally come. I continue to be amazed that you would choose to spend the rest of your life with me, and I'm humbled and very blessed. God has been so incredibly gracious to lead us here. As you're already aware, I'm a flawed man who's often self-centered, grumpy, and cynical. (laughs) But I'm so incredibly thankful that God in his infinite grace and mercy has forgiven and bought me by the blood of his son, Jesus. And I now have new, full, and abundant life Mm. in him. And I'm grateful that this is true for you, too. Mm. That God is our everything and that only he completes us. And with his help, we can do this. It's by God, his grace, and the new life that he gives, I pledge to love and serve you for the rest of our lives. To love and give myself to you, just as Christ loved and gave himself for his church. It's by God's grace that we met. By God's grace, we started dating. By God's grace, we're getting married. And by God's grace, we'll be able to navigate marriage together. Mm. I love you very much, and I'm so looking forward to spending the rest of my life with you.
I'm so excited about how God is working in your life and how he's going to continue to use you in the years to come. And I'm so glad I get to be there to witness that and, to prom- and I promise to support and encourage you every step of the way. You're my favorite. You're the best. And I love you so, so much. Amen. Well, before we, I have you repeat after me, recognize that I skipped a step. We're going to have... <laughs> told you, no one's auditing us here, guys. <laughs> the, no, we have the pleasure today to have Elizabeth, your grandfather, uh, Pastor Bob Het, offer a prayer of blessings, having heard these vows. I may sit down and read this to you in Legion Prayer. Let me do that, please. Thank you, God, for drawing both Neil Murphy and Elizabeth Stevens to yourself and to your kingdom ministry. Thank you for the preparation that you have provided for them through Gordon College and Seminary. Thank you for Neil's opportunity to serve you as an associate pastor in his church. Thank you, too, for Elizabeth's leadership among teenage girls at her church. We pray that you'll grant them a future complementary ministry that is fruitful and results in the building up of the body of Christ. Help them become truly one, not only in body and spirit, but also in purpose and service to your kingdom. And if it is your will, Lord, grant them the joy of Christian parenthood and that their offspring will commit themselves to you as well and become faithful members of your family, the church. I want to offer the words of the wedding prayer. I wish I could sing it, but I better not try today. This was, this I sang at the marriage of myself and my wife Donna Mm -hmm. nearly 60 years ago at the altar of a little church in Upper Maine. This, my daughter, sang for their marriage, Gordon and Rhonda, at uh, a church in Southern California, where they exchanged their vows. And so Elizabeth has asked that this be read for you today. The wedding prayer. Heavenly Father, hear us as we pray here at thine altar on our wedding day. Show us the path that thou wouldst have us take. Help us to follow thee and sin forsake. In thy sight, O God, today, 
we've come to pledge our love and unity. Bless the sacred vows we take and keep us one through all eternity. Give us strength in sorrow, want, or pain, always steadfast to remain. And when clouds shall fill our skies of blue, help our love to see us through. O oh God, until we reach life's ebbing tide, may we in perfect love and peace abide. And when life's sun shall set beyond the hill, may we go hand in hand together still. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor. Well, that was beautiful. And just in light of hearing those words, uh, Neil, will you repeat after me these vows that have been shared for centuries? I, Neil, take you, Elizabeth. I, Neil, take you, Elizabeth. To be my wife. To be my wife. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. From this day forward. From this day forward. For better, for worse. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. To love and to cherish. And forsaking all others. And forsaking all others. I give myself only to you. I give myself only to you. As long as we both shall live. As long as we both shall live. And then Elizabeth, just repeat all that back to him. <laughs> I, Elizabeth, I, Elizabeth, take you, Neil. I, Elizabeth, take you, Neil. To be my husband. To have and to hold. From this day forward. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love and to cherish. And forsaking all others, forsaking all others I, give myself only to you, I give myself only to you, as long as we both shall live. As long as we both shall live. And then for everyone here, uh, having witnessed them make these vows, I charge you to do everything you can to support this couple and the vows they've made in a strong and vibrant and Christ-honoring marriage. Would you pray for them, listen to them, bear their burdens with them, give you your wisdom, Challenge them even when necessary, and most of all, keep pointing them back to Christ. Will you commit yourself to helping them flourish in this way? If that's your desire, will you say, we will? Amen. May I have the rings? Oh. <laughs> Good job. So every culture has some kind of sign or symbol that uh, is both a sign of permanence uh, and also in a real way completes it. So we have things like college diplomas that on one hand is just a piece of paper. On another hand, it symbolizes uh, hours and hours of work put in. And in another way, it really does seal the deal. You don't feel like you've graduated until you've got that. And so in, the same way, in a very similar way, we have these rings that in a culture that really values you know, keeping your options open, uh, not tying yourself down, this is a countercultural symbol that says, I am forsaking all others, and I am binding myself to you. So it seals that, but it's also a reminder of that as you see this uh, on each other's hands. So, Neil, I'm going to give you this for Elizabeth, and will you put that on her finger and repeat after me? Elizabeth, this ring I give you. Elizabeth, this ring I give you. 
as a symbol of my constant love and commitment. As a symbol of my constant love and commitment. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. The Son. And the Son. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. And then kneel this ring I give you. Kneel this ring I give you. As a symbol of my constant love and commitment. As a symbol of my constant love and commitment. In the name of the Father. In the name of the Father. The Son. The Son. And the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for bringing this couple together. We thank you that it is you who join people together and not any human. And we thank you that you are bringing all the stuff of life together into one flesh and that you are pronouncing your blessing over this marriage. We rejoice with them and we rejoice at what you have joined together. And we pray this with great thankfulness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, here it is, guys. This is it. I'm so happy for you, as is I can tell everyone out here watching, and we're excited to celebrate with you. And it is, of course, my pleasure and my joy by the power vested in me by the state of New Hampshire as a minister of Jesus Christ to pronounce you husband and wife, what God himself has joined together, let no man tear apart. And you may kiss the bride. But for the first time now, as husband and as wife, I present to you Mr. and Mrs. Murphy. Thank you, everyone, once again for joining us, um, and for those on the live stream as well. Uh, everyone here is invited uh, from the bride and groom's family to a uh, reception downstairs, which I know you all know about, and I'm told that the ushers will actually come and, just to make things a little more uh, orderly, uh, dismiss you uh, a few people at a time. So go ahead and wait for that, and everyone here will see you downstairs to celebrate. Thank you.